This is Barry. This is Major Taliban. This is Heath Jurgens looking at Wonder Boy. And we're Blanco Bronco at the Convergence Zone. Coming to you from the heart of the Pacific Northwest, with mouths as big as the Columbia River, egos as tall as Mount Rainier, smooth as the drive from Vancouver, BC to Portland, Oregon. It's the Northwest Convergence Zone. Welcome everybody back to the Northwest Convergence Zone show. Big D here with you. Another week gone by, and we're just glad to be here. It's uh, you know it's a crappy spring in the Northwest. Gray skies and rain, and it was hailing the other day, and it's just a, a wacky time. Yeah, but and I was driving my convertible when it was hailing, and you know how hard those hail balls hit when you're doing 35 miles an hour in a convertible? I don't want to find out. <laughs> but anyway, uh, just want to thank everybody for tuning in, and uh, hope everything's going well for you out there. Big D here with you, and of course... Our man, Big Joe. Yes, uh, I have to uh, channel John Forsythe this week and uh, say Charlie's Angels greetings to everyone from an undisclosed location uh, because uh, I am not in the city of destiny this week. Yeah, what's going on over there? Well, someone stepped on a crack and broke my back. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, Big Joe can't be in the studio this week, but uh, it's okay because uh, you're coming through well on the phone, Joe. And, of course, over here, our, our, our guy, Double, Double D. Double D. Yeah, I'm here and having a great time. Yeah? How's it going, Double D? Well, I had a pretty rough week. but Other than all those... Pock marks on your face from the uh, hail hitting yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I had a really rough week, but the weekend's been great. Shows we went to see. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a moment. All right, we want to thank our guy Squeeze and, of course, Wonder Boy over there running the sound. And getting back to that, let's talk about that for a moment. On Friday night, we went to a very special event and Liberty Theater in Puyallup. A lot of fun. What would you guys think about Sweet Kiss Mama's CD release party? Great party, great uh, uh, time. They really put on a good show. Joe? Yeah, classic venue, uh, very cool place to uh, go to a show. And they uh, put on a good show, and uh, those guys got good things in the future for them. That's what I'm thinking. Squeeze. All right. Uh, thumbs up. What, what's that, two thumbs? Two thumbs. Way up. All right, two thumbs way up. Of course, Wonder Boy wasn't there because he was studying for some tests, but uh, we were all there. Man, we had a great time. I'm going to tell you, uh, Jeff, Hamill, and the boys laid it down. It was a really nice uh, venue, fun party. Those guys were jacked up. They were ready to do it, and they did it well. And I recommend, I really put Sweet Kiss Mama on the must-see list of anybody listening. Those guys are good sound, quality fun guys and it just couldn't have been a better night i know they probably had tough time sleeping when that was all over because there was a lot of love in that room for sweet kiss mama so that was good good for yes. those guys thanks for letting us come out and spoil your party all right on saturday night uh double d and joe and i went up joe what were we at we were at the feedback lounge in West Seattle in for West Seattle, yes. In case you don't know where that's at, my own, uh, my old stopping grounds, my old hood. And what were we there for? We were there to uh, congratulate Dudley Taft, a master blues guitarist, on his CD release. Yeah, ushering in a brand new CD, Dudley Taft. He's the man. A lot of good, good showing out there too. Uh, he did not play, but at least not while we were there. 
But a lot of fun people, you know, got to uh, shake hands with a lot of nice folks. Get the CD. The CD title is? The name of that CD is Left for Dead. Oh, right, yes. Thank yeah, you so, for not leaving me for dead. Uh, again, uh, Dudley Taft, great talent, and uh, we're working on putting him on a show. But listen, we have a, a big show lined up for you today. A very special moment for us. We... Yeah, when we had Buck Gornsby on here from the uh, Whalers, he mentioned to us that his biggest influence in music was uh, Bill Englehart from Little Bill and the Blue Notes. And that piqued our interest, of course. So we dug around and, you know, found Bill and looked at, you know, his history. We knew about him. We knew about his big hit and that he was from Tacoma and everything. But it was a wonderful time. He invited us up to his house, and we got to set up our equipment in his living room. And I'm telling you, a lot of you younger bands out there, well, and everybody, needs to hear this interview. This is a guy who, you know, at like 17, 18, had a hit record, touring the country with the biggest names, and, you know, seemed to have it all. And then there's, there's always the fallout in the music business. And this is a guy who learned to come to peace with that. He's a wonderful human being, warm person, and still rocking the blues to this day. This is our interview with Bill Englehart. All right, everybody. Uh, welcome to a special edition, a very special interview today on the Northwest Convergence Zone with our man Bill Englehart, better known as Little Bill. Absolute godfather of Northwest rock and roll music. It can't be denied. He uh, is a Tacoma, Tacoma native. Of course, you all know that. And today we're actually coming to you from his living room. And we're very pleased. It's an absolute privilege to be here. Bill, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you for asking me. Now, I um, was looking at your website, which is a fantastic website. has great pictures of, you know, back in the day and the early the beginnings of rock music in the Northwest and all the way up to, you know, what you're doing today. And I was wondering if you could take us back to stadium high school in the fifties, you're hanging out. And, uh, I know we've talked to Buck Ornsby who said that you were probably his biggest musical influence. What drove you into music at that time? Well, before the blue notes that Buck and I started, mm -hmm. um, I was, uh, I was going to uh, taking some classes at the Tacoma Vocational School. I think it's called Bakes or something. Right. Yeah, we have. And uh, <laughs> my dad's cousin played guitar, and from the, so from the time I was quite young, at parties I'd see this guy with a guitar, and to me it, it looked like it was gold. You know, I had to do that. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, there, I, so I had a guitar at home, and and uh, one afternoon I happened to notice up on the wall to lunch in the lunchroom that they were looking for musicians to play this dance at uh, the vocational school so i thought you know i took my guitar and i went and the only people that were at the interview was uh, a trumpet player who had one leg by the way i don't know why i remember <laughs> that but it just put me and and this black guy jimmy green and uh so i just i probably assumed this isn't going to happen you know and uh but this jimmy green said I'll bring some friends of mine up from downtown, and we'll play this dance, which he did. He brought these other black guys up, older guys. And I'm maybe 15 years old, and uh, I, I have no idea what we played. Or not. I mean, I, can't, I, I wish I could remember those things. But we played this dance, and we got all done. And, uh, and they said, you want to go down to the, uh, the Legion? 
And I said, I don't know. What's, what's the Legion? They said, <laughs> well, that's where we play. And it was the Tacoma uh, Black American Legion Hall on Tacoma Avenue. Oh, okay. So I said, yeah, I want to go, you know. So I went. they took me down there, and uh, I got up and played. And they played blues. And blues are basically uh, pretty simple changes. Mm-hmm. And I, my big interest at that time had been for a long time country music. Well, that's the same type of musical changes you can yeah, hear them transitions and so so forth. i was able to make these changes with these guys well they liked me and they hired me see and uh we played every friday and saturday night from 10 to 2 in the morning and i made we made nine dollars each <laughs> you know pretty good a, money back then i would i took a cab home and this guy uh marion jenkins who played piano uh he was the nicest man he'd come up and get me up at my, my house up and up off of sixth avenue every, every weekend you know and uh, we find, and he finally formed a little group and called it the Blue Notes. Oh, so okay. that was the first Blue Notes. That was the original Blue Notes. That's really the original. Now, are you the only only white white guy, guy in this yeah. club at and this the time? Youngest, yeah, I was fifteen, sixteen. You know, and I've often thought about. I wish I could really recall mm-hmm. what I must have felt. You know, I mean, I remember. I mean, I'm I'm sure I thought. I was just this. I'm pot, you know. I'm done with these old guys playing the blues, you know. And and I remember one time my dad took me down there and uh, and he says to me, "Why do you want to be here? You know, why do you want to do this? Because it was uh, in those days it was a black area sure, of Tacoma." Yeah. And I said, "I want to be here because these guys play music and I want to play music with them." And I remember walking away and I looked back at my dad and sitting in his little Studebaker. And he was just looking straight ahead. He he didn't understand that at all, you know, because it was those those were the, those days, you know, with that. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that the um, the the racial divide at that time, mm-hmm. and you obviously being the only white person down at this place playing this. Did you catch any flack for that uh, from any of your peers, or did you get any? You know, was there some uncomfortableness from the black crowd, or were they real accepting? You know, that there wasn't. Um, they really took me in, um, and I found that o- over the... I've done, been doing this now 55 or 56 years. Long time. And uh, at one point later on from when we're talking, I, were, I, op- I was on a floor show at a place called The Black and Tan uh, here in town, and again, lots of nice... Be- I'd be the only white person, definitely the only white person on the show. And I've never found that, that, uh, I, was, that I was made to feel uncomfortable. As far as did the white people, did I get any flack from that? Not at all, because the, uh, other than my dad wondered why I was doing this. But, <laughs> you know, uh, Frank Dutra, who was one of the original Blue Notes, used to come down to the Black and Tan once in a while and, and watch. You know, so it was a different time. It, uh, I remember when I was living in California. I remember when it changed. I remember when I didn't feel comfortable in a black establishment anymore. Uh, and I, that made me sad. How did that happen? What what happened there? I think, uh, well, one thing, I was living down in Santa Ana, and I hired a new drummer, and he lived up in um, Watts. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a black kid. And he, we're going to go up to his house and rehearse. And we drove up there, and he was standing out on his front lawn, and he said, quick, go around, go in the garage. Like, you know, so this is the sixties. Uh, this was the seventies, late sixties, mid. Late yeah. Okay, so there was a lot of tension going on. Oh yeah, and I, I, I remember thinking, and I said, "What's the matter, George?" He says, 
you know, you know how things are, man. You know how things are. <laughs> I said, okay, but yeah. But I remember that happening. But back in in the, in Tacoma, in the days like when I played at the Legion and Lower Broadway, there used to be play, an area in Tacoma called Lower Broadway, yeah. which is now a convention center. Uh, that's right. And I hated seeing that go away because <laughs> I, I went to school down there, boy, playing those joints and hanging yeah. out with those guys. It, they, it was so much different. It was. I, I hated that the the play the thing that I hated the part where they couldn't live, they could only live so far up that hill. I I didn't like. I remember not liking that at all. On and, the hilltop. Yeah. Well, I, we lived up on Eighth and Prospect. Oh, okay. And I remember I was so proud of my dad because at one point. A black family moved in right down the street from us. First one, and uh, a neighbor came over to my dad. My I was out in the backyard with my dad, and a neighbor came over there with a piece of paper, and he says, uh, "Cliff, we want you to sign this." And he said, "What is it?" And he says, "We're trying to get these black people out of this neighborhood." Hmm. And I remember my dad said, "If that man can afford that house, he has every right to live there." Oh, and man, him. it made yes. me so proud yeah. of him because he was great. back from a time when the blacks and the whites, yeah, but he absolutely. still saw that. And I learned something from that, you know. Let me run a couple of names by you and just get a response. Um, Spanish Castle, what does that bring, mean to you? I hated playing there. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Uh, uh, like, I'm, I'm wheelchair now. Yes. But for years I was walking. I, mm-hmm. I started using a wheelchair here about seven, eight years ago because. And you got polio at about ten. Nineteen forty-nine. I was about ten. Yeah. Oh. But the Spanish Castle, the stairway going up to this, up <laughs> it was just miserable. And I, because I'd be lifted up, you know. Yeah. So it wasn't one of my favorite places to play, but you had to play there. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that was just if you didn't play there, you really weren't doing it, you know. So. Right. In so your, let's, I'm oh. sorry. I just wanted to follow up on the Spanish uh, Castle question. In your days of playing there. Did a skinny African-American kid named Jimmy ever come to see you? You know, and I don't think Buck saw him either. I know Buck says he did, but I don't think he did <laughs> because I'll tell you why. There was no Jimi Hendrix then. He was Jimi Hendrix from up on in, that, in the CD. I don't remember him ever. I don't remember I don't remember anybody like that being there. Or, of course, he wouldn't have been dressed like we remember him. Now, maybe some guy that came up, maybe Jimi Hendrix came up to Buck and says, I don't know, but... I I've asked other people that worked out there, and they say, "No, I never seen." Don't him. remember, no, because you've always I've always heard the stories that his, his kind of way in with the musicians that were playing then was that he had an amp, and he was maybe, if, if know, something I, went, then and it was. that could well be me. I I could be completely wrong, but I don't remember personally. I don't remember ever seeing him back there. Right. I saw uh, Gene Vincent there though. Oh. oh. Sweet. That was yeah, a trip. I got, I, yeah, I got yeah, to meet him. Yeah, great. Very nice. Yeah, Lula. Uh Tell us about Rockin' Robin Roberts. Uh, well, you know the story about the Puyallup Fair, what Buck told you how he found the this guy on a great park story. bench. Yeah, it was weird. Because <laughs> Buck and I were at the fair, and we saw this, this guy up on a park bench, and I thought he was talking, you know. Right. So we just, and there was these kids around him. So we walked down there, and, and he's singing some song. It, and I, there was no street singers that I knew in those days, so it was kind of an odd thing to, to see, you know. Right. And I said, Jesus, look at this. And Buck says, uh, I know him. And I said, well, who is he? So that's Robin Roberts. Go, we go to school with him. And uh, so when he got all done singing, we got to talking and asked him if he'd like to uh, join our band. But I'll give you a good, I might got to give you a good Robin Roberts story. Robin is very gullible. You could just about talk him into anything. <laughs> and, and he, and, but he was real close to being a genius. 
quite seriously. Mm-hmm. And so we were going to stadium together, and uh, we weren't supposed to go across the street at lunchtime. There was a hamburger place. We weren't supposed to do that. So Rob and I are standing out there, and I'm and I and I said, you know, I can understand I'm not wanting me to go over there because I'm a screw up. But I said, Robin. You're a straight-A student, man. You know, I said, they're lucky to have you in this school. And I, I'm building up. I said, who the hell do they think they are telling us, especially you, that you can't go across the street and get a hamburger? <laughs> next thing I know, he's off the curb. And the next thing I know, this guy named Mr. Kanar, who was a student, grabbed him and took his boat up to the office. So we're sitting there. <laughs> so we're sitting there, and uh, Robin had never been in any kind of trouble ever, you know. <laughs> and I went, I kept going. I said, boy, this, I don't believe this, Robin. They can bring me in here, you know. I mean, hell, they're going to kick me out of here eventually. But to bring you in here, I said, who do they think they are, <laughs> you know. And he, I can see he's going for this, you know. <laughs> and so Mr. Christie walked in. And before Mr. Christie could say a word, Robin stands up and says, do you know who I am? He said, have you seen my grade point average? And Mr. Christie says, I have no idea who you are, but you're out of here. And Robin looked at me, and I went, well, my hand. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, Bill, I wanted to ask you, you now we're just talking about the uh, early days with you and starting with the Blue Notes, and then things obviously progressed you're starting to play shows Mm -hmm. and you do a recording session and you're you're doing various instrumentals and they ask you you've got some more time Mm -hmm. left and you lay down a track Mm -hmm. and the track goes across the country and charts in the top 100 Mm -hmm. yeah and the pretty amazing yeah and if you could tell us briefly about that i love an angel i love an angel we went up there that day uh and I should, I, I want to say one thing about you were saying we were the first group in the Northwest. In Seattle, there was a group called the Frantics at the same time sure. and a group called the Playboys. So right. that was about it. Yeah, the, you guys were laying the groundwork. So we went up to the studio. We'd heard about Joe Bull's studio. I don't know how, but we went up there and we paid him in front because we didn't want to have to owe him money. Mm-hmm. And he had a studio in the basement of his uh, house up in West Seattle. And so we went there basically because we just wanted to kind of see what we sounded like. And, and there were a lot of instrumentals coming out of different groups around the country. So that's what we had in mind. And so we went in and recorded those three instrumentals. And uh, this this guy, he, your engineer will appreciate this, it was either a one-track or a two-track. In <laughs> fact, that wow. whole that his unit is, is in the EMP in the Northwest Passage. Oh, here. nice. And... Uh, so we got all done, and uh, and everything was live. You know, there was no dubbing or just do it. You know, right. And so we got all done, and he uh, and he and he came in. He says, uh, he says, well, you still got some time. Says, what do you, what do you want to do? And we'd been doing that. I love an angel at dances and stuff. You know, and I'd written it. Well received at the dances. Hmm? It was well received at the dances. Oh, people liked it. I don't know. It, yeah. we did it. You know, right. Uh, You'd think it would be a great snuggle up song. It was. That's what. I, that's what, <laughs> that's I've what heard. I'm talking I've about. Heard that. Right I've there. I've heard that. <laughs> so anyway, we cut it, and uh, it was like <laughs> it was like a Ricky Nelson movie. This guy comes out of the control room and goes, "Who wrote that song?" And I said, "I did." And he said, well, "He says just everybody relax. I got something I want to do. He's going to have some people come down here." And at that time, there was a label in in Seattle, Dalton Records, right. and they had a group called the Fleetwoods who were selling mm-hmm. millions and millions of records. Big. Yes. And it was owned by a guy named Bob Reisdorf and a woman, Bonnie Tutmar, who people around, she was a musician singing, they called her Bonnie Guitar. 
Yes. So I didn't know who this guy was calling to come down there, but in walk, I recognized her from some local TV, and I thought, wow, you know, this is... And they, he said, these guys, these are from Dalton Records. And so they listened to it, and uh, we were all kind of standing around. We're pretty young, you know. I was maybe 18, and they, the rest of them were younger than me. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And, and, <laughs> and, I, and I said, uh, are we going to have a record? And, and they said, well, yeah. And I went, well, really? You know? And I'll tell you, that drive back to Tacoma was real quiet in the car. Uh, <laughs> But Everybody yeah, was stunned. It, it that was uh, amazing. It was we didn't. I remember on the way home, when the record finally did come out, we went over to uh, to Dalton Records and they gave they gave us a box of records, you know. So we're coming back on Old Ninety Nine, and KMO used to be, have a, a station right on there. Right. So we said, let's pull in and see if they'll play our record, you know. <laughs> and uh, so we did, and this guy named Jack Morton was on, and we went oh, in. Yeah. And we're knocked on the window. We had no class, you know. <laughs> and we held our record up, and he says, "Come on in." You know, so we're going. And um, he plans something. He says, "What do you got there?" And I said, "What's this? Our new record." He says, "You want me to play it?" And, and I remember we said, "Yeah, but let us call our girlfriends first. Oh, of course, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yes. you know? yeah. That was uh, that was magic time. Now, where did that record take you personally? Uh, I know you went on some tours and you were on some shows. What did that do for? Bill Englehart. Well, because uh, I know there's a positive side and then there yeah. was a downside to it. Once that record came out, everything changed in that band because uh, we were so young and the egos. And my name, well, the way that Little Bill thing ever started, I don't know if Buck told you this. Uh, when Bob Reiser from Dalton Records came in, they're going to do, do this. He says, What's the name of your band? And we said the Blue Notes, and he goes, "We need something different than that." And Ornsby said, "Bill's grandmother calls him Little Bill," and the reason she called me that because my grandfather's name was Bill. Oh. And Bob Reisdorf went, "Little Bill and the Blue Notes, I like that. It's a wrap. <laughs> perfect." <laughs> and so, when the record came out, that my name was bigger than theirs, and that caught yeah. tension right there. You know, who sure. do you think you are? And I had nothing to do with it. And so the people at Dalton started noticing that there was friction, a lot of friction, and they advised me to leave the Blue Notes. Really? Mm-hmm. That's why I left. Because oh. I'm young, and I, you know, tell me to go stand in a corner, I'd go stand in a corner. Right. So I left the Blue Notes, and uh, shortly after that, Buck and, and Robin left, because by then, the Whalers were coming around, and, mm-hmm. and that was starting to happen. But what it did for me, um, you know, I got to work with... Some of the biggest names that came to Seattle. Who would those be? Fabian, Brenda Lee, Johnny Burnett. You open for these people? Be on the same show. On Bobby the same V. Show? Yeah. Went on the road with uh, Wilson, Don, Don Wilson and Adventures with Bobby V in the Midwest. Nice. So a lot, you know, uh, it, it, uh, it was kind of, for some of us, I guess it was a win-win. I felt I was, it was for me, I didn't, mm-hmm. and for Buck, he went on with the Whalers, which I th- he had wanted to do yeah. for some time, you know, and uh, so I don't know, it just, it kind of so cha- changed. So did you feel like, uh, I mean, you're riding high at this moment, things are like, you know, you're on shows with these like headline names that then it was over, are man. national, did you feel like you were chasing that second hit? Yeah, and what happened was... Um, I didn't know this for many, many years. Uh, 
Um, Dalton moved to California, took the Fleetwoods with them and the Ventures who came on later mm-hmm. and left uh, the rest of us to fend for ourselves, you know. Right. And so uh, I never got the second hit. The first hit almost destroyed me mentally over the years because it's like I'm 19 and I'm a has-been. You know what I mean? It was that was really hard. That was it was like a fast for, shooting star. Oh man! I mean, and I'm, I wasn't the only one that that happened to. But a lot happened a lot of people. Sure, but it was hard. You know, it was really hard. But uh, it was like, what did you ask me? What was the first part of that question? Well, I was asking you uh, if you were chasing that second hit, yeah. and then also just the, the, the aftermath of that. I know it wasn't pretty, and how you dealt with. You know, did you just feel like you were constantly chasing a second hit, or did you actually, at some point, I assume you came to a, a, a piece with it? That came later. That came way later. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as how did I deal with it, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I dealt with it with amphetamines and liquor. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, today, I'm 22 years clean. Congratulations. Yes. That's but amazing. that's how I dealt with it, which yes. was bulls, you know. That yeah, was stupid when I think about it. You were nineteen. I'm nineteen. Nineteen year olds do. And I assume things. as you're traveling around, everybody's telling you how great you are. What a great song this and is. And everybody's answering my phone calls, and then all of a sudden, nobody's answering my They're phone like, calls. And it's Bill who? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that feeling didn't leave me completely until about maybe twenty five, thirty years ago. Really, and the way it happened was, uh, I wouldn't do "I Love an Angel" live unless it was in a big concert thing or something. I wouldn't do it. Right. I was embarrassed. It was, as stupid as that sounds, I was embarrassed. Really? Yeah. Why? Um, Why were you embarrassed? It's kind of like, well, look where you are now. You know, <laughs> you know. What I mean, I guess, I, I guess maybe my ego was right. Whatever. But my daughter uh, uh, had an eating disorder problem when she was a teenager. And so she was taking uh, therapy for that. Okay. And part of uh, an eating disorder is it becomes a family uh, therapy type thing. And so uh, we all went, her and I and Jan and our son, went to this uh, session with Lisa. And the lady that was doing the session, she says, I understand you're a musician. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I am. And she says, tell me about that. And I started to cry. Oh. I swear to God, man. Jan looked at me like, jeez, brilliant. <laughs> Stealing the, the show again. What the hell is wrong with <laughs> yeah. you? And she said, and, but this is, what, this is what completely changed me. Completely changed me. This lady said, uh, what's the matter? And I said, nothing. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm embarrassed. She said, no, what's going on? And I blurted out, I wish I'd have never had one hit I wish I wouldn't have had that, you know. And she said to me something that changed my life. I swear to God, how many of your friends had a hit record, Bill? Absolutely. Right. And man, I saw it right there. It was like, yeah. don't be greedy. Be thankful for God's sake. Moment of but clarity. But it changed me like that, man. Right. Yeah, it, it is true. I'm I mean, saying you, I love an angel. And if there's three people in the room, I don't care. Great. You know, because yeah. they yeah. have the, they have these shows on uh, you know the music uh, televisions, uh, VH1 and so on. The one hit wonder shows, and, and there's a lot of great one hit wonder songs. And when I look at those songs, and then they're kind of in a way putting those people down. It's like uh, that's what I've always thought. It's like yeah. how many hits have you had? Yeah. You know, yeah. at least they had one. Yeah, I love an angel. Uh, 
you know, the nice thing, I still have people come up to me, uh, especially when I play in Tacoma, and uh, people my age, like a Johnny's Doc, you know, mm -hmm. and that meant something to them. That song meant something to them. And so, I don't know, I, I, have, more, I have a lot more peace with myself now than I ever did. Well, I, uh, I, you know, it's it's undeniable the fact that uh, you have influenced lots of people in the Northwest, and anybody who does their history or anybody who does their homework, especially the young and upcoming bands, and we talk to a lot of them, and we we really try to school them to look back to those who laid the groundwork, and you know whether you had one hit, no hit, or whatever hits. The fact that you chose to to blaze a trail and go off into a path that and establish that rock and roll in the Northwest is an amazing feat. The fact that you took that, you know, and ran with it and are still doing it. I, it still blows me away. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I assume at some point you were like, forget this. I don't even want to play anymore. I don't know. Um, up until four years ago, we were doing 150, 140 to 150 shows a year. Mm, wow. And then we started cutting it down. This year, if nothing, if some, if, unless something else comes in, I think we'll do eighty or eighty, somewhere, somewhere eighty, eighty-five shows. As far as uh, what you ask about stopping, I don't know. You know, um, I don't. I only work where I want to work anymore. I don't really solicit anymore because right. I know where I want to work, and I, you know. Um, but I don't know if I quit, what would I do? And like Jan said, that's the only thing that gets me out of the house. So she said, if you quit, then you're here all the time. You know? But I still enjoy it. So that, I, I'm, I'm most of the time, not every time. I want to ask you, you uh, had that, you know, rocketing period, then you came back down, but you soldiered on, and you kept playing. And, uh, you know, you like you say, you've had a career of 55 years. You've played all over. You've seen other people play, um, people come and go. Uh, is there acts that you saw in your time while you were out gigging around and playing with other bands that you thought, these guys are can't miss, these guys are going someplace, and then they maybe had kind of that similar experience, didn't go anywhere, and you thought, why not? Why didn't they? You know, they should have hit it big. Yeah, sure. It's a guy from down in Chehalis, his name was Clayton Watson. Uh, fantastic. Guy. He sounded more like Fats Domino than Fats Domino, but he wasn't trying to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I would have, I would have thought he would do something. Uh, Robin, absolutely. Of course, uh, Robin was a, a, a different kind of a dude. Um, very smart, really smart. And when he got killed, I think he was, uh, I think he was teaching down in San Francisco at a college. Or something. Didn't he have a master's degree? I think. Oh yeah. 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 Rob, Robin wasn't. If Robin would have wanted it. You got to want it. I'm not sure Robin wanted that, you know, and, but, but if he would have, I think he would have definitely gone somewhere. Uh, Kent Morrill, um, they could have, I think Kent Morrill could have went way further than he did. Uh, I think he's one of the most talented singers around he here. And, uh, and even on uh, some of their recent work that they've just done. He still sounds, still sounds great. great. Yeah. Yep. He's a, you know, I didn't ever, I never knew Kent because, you know, you never see everybody. And I never thought I liked him because he's so quiet. And, and <laughs> uh, Buck Ornsby, 
Buck and Kent are always doing something, you know. So Buck calls me a few years ago, and he says, can you come over to call me? He says, uh, Kent and I have a radio show. I want to interview for this radio show. So I said, okay. So I'll meet you at the Frisco Freeze. So it was a chance to go get a burger, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, not a bad place Gotta to go. Gotta love the Frisco. <laughs> so I, I go over there, and here they pull up, and... And Kent gets in the back of my van and, and Buck. And so Buck says, shows me this little recording. He says, this is state of the art. He says, this is brand new, man. These are fantastic. And I says, well, let's just do this, you know. So while we're doing all this, I'm getting a chance to talk to Kent. And I'm finding he's got a good sense of humor and just a real warm person. But the funny part was we talked for a couple of hours, you know. And we got all done. And Kent says, Let, let's, let's see how it sounds nothing <laughs> oh we've had that we've done that done uh, an entire interview and then no audio <laughs> kent, well, kent sat in with my band every year i do the old town festival in tacoma and last year he was sitting out in the audience you know and and i'm thinking this might be kind of fun you know so i finally got he goes yeah so he came up and he, it's so funny he comes up he says well, I guess this is the first time I said, I guess it is. <laughs> and he just sang great. Yeah, I I think the world, you know, I, I pray he's going to be okay. He's yes. pretty sick. You he's, know, and, uh, you know, he's, he's I've gotten word that he's on the rebound. He's home. <laughs> that guy could have. Doing better. That group, they've made a big, bad decision, you know. Fabulous Whalers. When they wouldn't, when they wouldn't, they wanted, well, good decision, bad decision. They weren't finished with school, for one thing, and they wanted to come back and finish school, but that was their chance right there, and they didn't take it, you know, mm -hmm. and. Well, speaking of, there's a lot of bands uh, in Tacoma and in Seattle, a lot of young bands coming up, just starting. What advice do you have for them? You've been in the music business a long time. You've seen the bright side of it. You've seen the downside of it. You've worked at the crappy clubs. You've worked at the good clubs, open for stars, and probably played gigs where there were two people. Mm -hmm. what, what advice do you have for bands who are up and coming, who are trying to establish themselves what do you tell them you got to do what you love um we're all influenced by people in music but don't try to become that person don't try to become that sound do what makes you happy i noticed bb said that to vicky uh, yeah said, that's and right that's exactly right if you really believe in what you're doing you know go for it because there's no guarantees anyway but it's better if you make it doing something you really love the way you really want to do it than to become somebody else and be a flash in a pan. Mm -hmm. And that's what you are then, you know. Yeah, just go with your beliefs. Go with, do what you want to do. Do what you love. I also liked what you had to say on uh, the video documentary where you said you have to make the call. Absolutely. I can tell you, uh, I could count on i think i said that on the yeah. show i could i could count on one hand the, the the calls that i get in a year to come and play i make the calls yeah. all of them right. uh and there uh last night i was out seeing a friend of mine uh his name is paul green fantastic harmonica player and uh, he's sitting there talking to me about having a hard time finding work and i said well you got to get on the phone paul you know you got to be on the phone and that's it don't wait for somebody to call you you know you got to believe that you that you've got something that to they offer. need. Yeah, yeah. And you might have to psych yourself up, but that's what you have to believe. I wanted to ask you, Bill, about some of the music that you're playing now, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I've just recently listened to a lot of it, and I really like it. Um, the thing that I'm picking up, and correct me if I'm wrong, as far as the type of blues 
that uh, you're playing and with the with the folks that are in your band, it really seems to have that feel that it's it's um, less is less is more to me. Oh, and, yeah. and I think that probably comes because you have been a musician so long. That's kind of something that's developed. It's not. Uh, it comes over time. But when I listen to, uh, for instance, uh, going to Chicago, when, when I first heard that, that was just the feel that I picked up. It's like you listen to this and you can hear what's being played. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bash you over the head or anything, but you can tell there's some great playing going on there. Well, yeah, less is better. Yes. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't want guys working with me that want to be paid by the note. You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Can you hold it down a little bit? <laughs> but, uh, no, just like, uh, I just, you got to just relax, you know. Last night we went and heard that band. Dynamics are so important. Dynamics, what I mean by that is the volume might be here, and then you bring it on there and there and move it around to get it down there. You know, most bands start there and they stay there till the end of the night. You know, there's none of this. And last night I'm sitting there watching these guys and Paul Green's a really good singer and I couldn't hear a damn thing he was singing. No, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, why doesn't the guitar player turn down and the bass player turn down? You know, why, why do they feel like they all have to be at the same level? Right. I'm hell on people if they try to do that to me. My band knows that. When I'm singing, shut the hell up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guy, the guy that played guitar with me in, my, in, my, in the four-piece from San Francisco, he was telling this story. I got to change one word, but uh, <laughs> he said the guy that played drums for Muddy Waters for years moved to San Francisco, and they found out he was there. Wow. And these guys were pretty young. <clears throat> and uh, so they got a hold of him, and they said, you always like to do some shows with us. He said, yeah, that'd be great, you know. So they're going to have a rehearsal, see? And Billy says, I'm just jamming like this. You know? And this old guy says to Billy, he says, uh, Billy, do you sing? Uh, he says, no, I don't sing. He said, well, shut the hell up so we can hear this guy. You know? And he said, talk about getting humbled. Boy. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> oh, exactly. Wow. Well, speaking of playing, you have some uh, some gigs coming up that I think everybody should should try to get to or at least be interested in. And uh, I know, you like you said, you pared down a little bit. But this is the second Sunday of every month you play at Johnny's? Johnny's, yeah. Johnny's on That's the dock the at the That's the trio. Myself, Tommy, and Rod Cook. That's and a- what did Joe, didn't you have? Uh, May 16th at the Spar, a CD release party. And okay. is that the full band at that show? That's the full band. Full yeah. band at that show. And the name of the CD is Live at Grinders, Volume 1 and 2. You can currently hear that being played on KPLU, the all blues uh, yeah, that, show. That show, uh, what do they call that? All blues. All something. blues, yeah, on KPLU. So uh, Little Bill uh, and the Blue Notes doing the blues these days. It's been a been an amazing journey hasn't it yeah it has it really any has. regrets huh any regrets uh the drugs yeah that's a regret uh, i think i wasted a lot of time mm-hmm. uh put my energy places that it shouldn't have been and did it where it should be i had a great guitar player with me for years named joe johansson and uh he came uh he sobered up and all that but he fantastic he came over and did some shows with us about you know, nine ten years ago and I can't tell you how many times he said, I'll never know how good I could have been. I mm. feel the same way because um, mm. I, I wasted time. So, that's yeah, that's a big regret there. And highlight. 
time in your time in your career or even just in your life uh, that uh, you're like, you know, I'm at peace, satisfied. This is exactly what I want to do. Was there like an ever a clarity moment? Was it uh, where you're just like, this is it? I mean, right now? Yeah. I, I feel like the luckiest guy in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, a wonderful wife who you met earlier. We've been together Very nice 47 thing. years. I have two kids, growing, they're not kids, <laughs> and I have four granddaughters, you know, nice. that I probably would cancel a job to go see, you know. Yes. So, I mean, and, and my health is good. Um, so, you know, I don't, I, I'm working as much as I want to work, and I have absolutely no complaints at all. That's amazing. Bill, uh, one last blues-related question. The, the blues tree has a lot of branches, and... Your your interpretation of blues is on a certain branch, but there's the whole rock and roll blues of uh, Clapton and mm-hmm. Hendrix and mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin and and the Southern vein with the Almond Brothers and mm-hmm. so on. Chicago, yeah. Kansas City blues, um, and, and actually the whole influence that blues has just had in general on rock and roll, rhythm and blues. But of people from that branch of uh, the blues tree. Um, which Anyone's, branch? Uh, the the rock, the more rock. Clapton, Hendrix, Led Zeppelin. Are do you have any appreciation? Well, you or? know, no. For them, I do. yeah. For them, uh, I I. The thing that bothers me about blues uh, is if you learn Stormy Monday, you can be a blues band, <laughs> and that doesn't make any sense to me. You know what I mean? Right. It just doesn't make any sense. And I know that during this uh, the. 90s like up in seattle and to go there's all these blues bands and and you'd go hear them or be on a show to me think well that's not a blues band you know what i mean i don't know blues to me is a state of mind it's a feeling it's an expression it isn't stormy monday you know and everybody has a different way of interpreting in that and, and i respect that it's just that some of it i like better than others right you know uh, uh i like uh I guess I like more of the almost jazz type blues, like you said, going to Chicago. I right. like that feel right there. Right. And speaking of the jazz feel, um, uh, one of your songs, uh, and I'm, it's, I got I wrote it down here. Um, and you know, I'm really having a problem because I didn't bring my glasses. Or whatever. <laughs> you want to? Okay, I got, it, I got. It. I'm sorry, Bill. I got it. <laughs> better, better things to do. I listen to that, and that's got the blues jazz, really the blues jazz feel to it to me is what I thought. And I was wondering with a song like that and getting your music out there now and for people to be hearing it, is a station like Smooth Jazz, uh, are, are they giving you any type of love or recognition? Because that song to me could be played Did on you hear it by me? Yeah. By yeah. Merrily Rush. Yeah. The song by Beverly Rice. No, I. She did that song. Oh. No, no, I'm talking about your version. Yeah. that I listened to. The one I wrote that one. Yeah, yeah, that's more jazz. Yeah, yeah. and it's great. And it, I listened. To it and I said this should be on smooth jazz. Oh yeah, yeah, but it's not gonna be. <laughs> it, sh- it should be. We have a. Uh, there's a young man in Tacoma named Josh, and it, they call him Jumpin' Josh. And a guy that worked for me in my band for eight years, Randy Oxford, mm-hmm. was having uh, these things up at the Jazz Bones. These jams for kids. And this kid started coming, and I talked to Rod, and I said, what do you know about this Josh? He says, that little sucker can play. And so here a few months ago, we're playing at Johnny's Dock, and he comes walking in with his folks, see, and uh, had his guitar. And I said to his dad, is it okay for him to be in there? He says, yeah, as long as he's not in the bar. And I said, you want to you wanna play a song with me, Josh? He goes, yeah. And he's just the nicest young man you're ever going to meet. You should talk to this kid, I'm telling you. And... Uh, 
So he comes up and breaks his guitar, and he's very polite. And he's, I said, what do you want to do? And he said, well, I like blues, you know. So I said, well, <laughs> let's do some blues. So he did some blues. And, he, and I give him a solo. He'd take the solo 12 bars, and he'd look at me. So there was not a pig. See, if it was more, and I, you know. So he, I'm listening to this kid, you know, and he's, he sounded like some old black guy, you know. And we got all done. I said, how, how old are you? And he said, 11. I said, really? <laughs> Whoa. You know? And uh, Wow. So uh, then he, uh, we took a break, and... Uh, and I went over and I was talking to his folks and nicest, really nice people. And I said, Josh, you want to come up and play a few more songs? And he said, he said, would you care if I played harmonica? And I said, you play harmonica? And he goes, yeah. And I said, have you heard the guy that plays with me with Dick Powell, who's one of the yeah. greatest? Yeah, he's And he said, yeah, good. I've heard him. He said, so I said, yeah, if you want to play harmonica, come on up. So he comes up, plays harmonica, and plays harmonica. Well, the following week, we were going to be, Tommy and I were going to be down in... Uh, uh, Oregon, I forget the town, Astoria at a, a festival, mm -hmm. and Josh was going to be there. And I said, you got to come up on my set, right, and play when I'm there. So between then and when we went, I'm watching, I'm looking at YouTube, and I found, I typed in Jumpin' Josh, that's what they call him, and there he is with some guys, and he's playing alto. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I thought, he can't possibly be any good at this, right? <laughs> and I turn up the sound, and geez, so I, I, I emailed him and said, bring the alto, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so he, he's going to do a couple of shows with me this year. But Great. Getting back to your question, so he, he uh, I sent him, there's uh, one of the songs that I wrote, uh, one, uh, probably the best blues I wrote was called Another Rainy Day. Uh, and it's got more changes in it than the regular blues. And so I said to him, I said, you, got, you should learn this. You should learn this song. So I sent him the changes. And so the next, the next time I saw him, he comes to Johnny's dock and playing. He says, could we do that rainy day? And I said, did you learn that? And he goes, yeah, I got it. And he did. And so then I said, okay, now here's what you want to think about. I said, those blues, that's good stuff, good, you know, but you want to, I want you to, I want you to stretch out. So I sent him the changes to, uh, the one you're asking about, better things to do. Right. And I guarantee, I bet he learned it. <laughs> and he, he's somebody you really should talk to. He's the nicest young man. Jumping Josh. Yep. Uh, he just, he just, a, he's just not like an 11-year-old kid. You Doesn't know? sound like it. <laughs> it's amazing. And he's very aware of his volume and. Wow. Yeah. Kid's I'm, got it. Huh? I'm a big fan of his now. See? Good, good. Well, do you have any? Well, it's. Uh, just lastly, speaking of musicians, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the guys that you play with, especially the relationship that you have with your drummer, Mr. Morgan. Yeah. Uh, been playing with him since 1962. Yeah, Tommy and I are more like brothers, you know. Uh, he, yeah, he came to me in 1962, and like I said, he and I both left the area different times. Uh, Tommy's the kind of guy that even if he didn't play in my band, I'd want to hang out with him, you know. He just a, he's a really nice man and a good really good friend, and then uh, Dick Powell, who uh, if you come to the spar, you'll see what I mean. But Dick, it, he's your uh, keyboard player, right? And harmonica. And, and is he doing the B three? No, when you guys play, no, or just too much to carry around. With. <laughs> I love the B three, but he's got the thing he's got now. You can make a sound sound like, like one. the B three. Okay, but uh, he's a real talented guy. Uh, his his big influence was uh, James Cotton. Mm. In fact, Dick was with a group that traveled all over the world at one point called, uh, uh, I can't say, Chrome Circus. And they were kind of a psychedelic group, you know. 
and they did a, did a concert in San Francisco, and James Cotton was on the concert, and, and Dick was playing keyboard, and he walked up to James Cotton, and he says, how do I learn to do that, you know? And he said, James Cotton said, you'll need one of these, and handed him a harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I got good guys with me. Yeah, you do, definitely. Yeah, you have great musicians around you, and you're a great musician yourself. Our guest today has been Mr. Bill Englehart, Little Bill, Little Bill in the Blue Notes. Thank you so much for inviting us into your home. My pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor, sir, to uh, to chat with you, and hopefully we can talk to you again sometime. I hope so. The new CD is live at Grinders, Volume 1 and 2. Be sure to check that out. You can listen to it on KPLU. And you can buy it. Where can you buy it, Bill? Uh, from me. On <laughs> our, the website. On our jobs. We'll have a yeah. link to the website yeah. on our page. So thank yeah. you, Bill. We appreciate it. Thanks, Bill. Thank All right. We want to thank Little Bill. Uh, little Bill in the Blue Notes. That was a great interview, and uh, especially for having us, <laughs> all five of us show up at his house, right, <laughs> and set up all of our equipment, and his wife was really nice, very accommodating, and I do have good news. He talked about his son, who was uh, needing a uh, surgery, and I got an email from Bill the other day, and Medicare did approve that, and so he's going to have a, a series of operations, and they're really hopeful uh, for the outcome on that, so good thoughts and our prayers go to Bill and his son, and uh, and. Uh, whole situation and we want to thank him so much for having us up yeah here. great uh, master blues man master musician and a master person and uh of all the uh washingtonian music people that should go into the rock and roll hall of fame he is definitely at the top of the list well he's in the he's in the washington blues hall of fame he's been has his several of his records were blues albums of the year he's highly decorated and uh but yeah he should his, go just, into yeah, his, the music on hall his of fame. influence alone absolutely all right, well, let's move ahead. This is Birthdays of the Living. Now, with Birthdays of the Living, here's a Northwest Convergence Zone's own Prince of the Pinata, Big D. All right, Birthdays of the Living this week, May 6th. Born in the year 1945, the big man from Detroit, Bob Seger. Yes, Bob. <laughs> you ever in seen the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yes. Have you ever seen him? I've seen him a number of times. Yeah, good stuff right there. All right, and the Say Hey Kid, Willie Mays, hey. born on the sixth, and of course uh, Johnny U, Johnny Unitas, born on the seventh of May. Those are your birthdays of the living this week. You happen to see those guys walking around? Pat them on the back. Buy them a brew. Tell them happy birthday. Uh, yeah, Johnny, you get them some black high tops. Now, with birthdays from beyond, here's the Northwest Convergence Zone's answer to Art Bell, Big Joe. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There's a the little, little Bill right there. Absolutely. Well, he's playing the king of the Delta Blues, Robert Johnson, born May 8, 1911. He was the first in the 27 Club, if you know what that means. Would have been 98 years old. Uh, went down to the crossroads in Clarksdale, Mississippi, at the junction of Highway 61 and 49, and making a deal with someone you shouldn't be dealing with. And uh, poisoned by a jealous husband, and there's only two known photos of him that exist. And this is Sweet Home Chicago. Yeah, Robert Johnson. Mr. Crossroads, you know, in fact, uh, Eric Clapton for years when he was uh, when he was younger and just establishing himself as a guitar player, uh, people would come up to ask him for an interview, and the first question he would ask the uh, reporter was, "Do you know who Robert Johnson is?" And if they said no, he would refuse the interview. Yeah, well, going in reverse order, 
Next, we have uh, Darren McGavin. A Tacoma boy. Tacoma boy. Yes. Uh, uh, of course, the Night Stalker, Kolchak. Uh, and the old man in A Christmas Story. Right on. May 7th, 1922, would have been 87 years old. Right. And last, and certainly not least, <laughs> uh, May 3rd, 1933, James Brown would yes. have been 76, the godfather of soul, the godfather of driving on your rims. <laughs> uh, just a legendary guy. I'm putting on my cape right now, and I'm walking. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm throwing it off. I'm coming back. <laughs> Don't yeah, worry. Don't worry. James. Don't worry. Somebody put it back on, Joe. <laughs> Brother James. All right. Take hey. me to the bridge. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Joe. All right. Uh, our next guest on the big show as we roll forward is a local band uh, right here, based right here in Tacoma. And they've been, uh, they've been, you know, romping around the scene here for a while. A lot of good reviews on these guys. Have not caught them uh, live personally, but I'm certainly going to change that. Really nice guys. The band Blanco Bronco. All right, everybody. Our next guest on the program this week is a great South Sound band located here in Tacoma and we got hip to them uh, from some friend of ours and Blanco Broncos in the house. Let me introduce these guys. We have uh, Barry Tyler Moore. Barry, how's it going, buddy? Good. Manjo Taliban's in the house. Howdy. And Heath Jurgens. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> All the boys are in the house. Blanco Bronco, name of the band. A now, power trio. A power trio. And uh, just want to ask you guys, uh, you know, uh, how long have you guys been rolling as a band? I, I think we figured out it's been about five years now. Yeah, it's close to it. At least four. <laughs> At least yeah. four, maybe five, not sure. But uh, playing in the South Sound, it's, uh, you know, we get out as much as we can. And we've been, uh, you know, New Frontier, Hell's Kitchen, mm -hmm. uh, the Swiss, uh, all the, you know, all the all the joints around here. What's it like playing in the South Sound for you guys? Is it is it tough? Is uh, are the gigs easy to come by? How's how's the crowds out there? What, how's it how's it working for you boys? Well, you know, it's actually actually very great. Uh, we've never actually booked ourselves a show, so as far as us playing, getting shows, it's been really easy, which we were really appreciative of, you know, basically. But uh, it's been nothing but fun. Have you played all the local joints? All the local just joints. just about just about everywhere in Tacoma. Mm -hmm. It's a great scene. Yeah, it's a really good scene right now, and a lot of good bands that are out there. Any particular bands you guys have been paired up with that you thought, oh, this was a really great show, I really like these guys, or you guys just show up, do your thing, and you're out? I, we just came off a show playing at the New Frontier, playing with uh, uh, what Umber Sleeping, uh, the Little Penguins, uh, Dignitaries. It was it was a great bill, a uh, really good mixed bill. In Tacoma, it's sort of a grab bag. You know, you never know who you're going to be paired up with, and that's that's sort of the magic of playing in Tacoma. It's better that way. Is uh, you know, you you may end up with a, a mixed bill, and hey, maybe that second band you didn't like very much, but the third and fourth band, hey, you know, so it's goldmine. Right, right. All right. Well, our guest today is Blanco Bronco. Let's go into one of their songs. This is a song titled "Wander Back."
Yeah. All right. Well, that was Wander Back by Blanco Bronco. Great uh, power trio here in Tacoma. A little bit of, uh, getting a little bit of like social distortion, uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, the, the punk stuff. Who are you guys listening to? What's your inspiration for, uh, you know, for devising your tunes <laughs> it's uh it's really all honestly all over the place and um we i don't think we really let anything keep us from allowing various influences in on songs so it's it's a lot it's a lot of different stuff now are you guys all from tacoma how'd you guys get together what's the what's the story of uh of blanco bronco coming together and saying we're a band beer Pretty much. Yes. It all started with beer. There were some beers. <laughs> may, have, may have been one or two. Actually, uh, I uh, <laughs> I know uh, uh, Manjo and Barry had played previously together, and I had met uh, Manjo at a get-together before, and um, I thought, who is that guy? <laughs> I mean, uh, he was he was in an altered state, and um, I thought he was kind of crazy, but actually... I went to, uh, was at a show at the Java Jive and was there with uh, mutual Eagles, friends right? with, uh, and we went to see the fucking Eagles and, and uh, I'd met him and we had talked about uh, music and playing music and um, I'd asked, uh, I'd asked people about him and, and, uh, like, they were is looking, he single? They was it, was up, this like looked, a stalking <laughs> thing? <laughs> it was. No, no, I was, I was really, I was, uh, I was, um, basically, I was, uh, in between bands and desperate to be playing music, so. Yeah, Tyler and I were at Judo for the Blind before, and, uh, which had, uh, Bob, the drummer from Seaweed, way back in the mm -hmm. day, and he, uh, left for, uh, reasons so we were looking for a drummer and basically i just started a conversation at the job i had no idea i'd met him before actually but uh i just <laughs> asked him i've he, had those moments he happened to mention he was a drummer and i said well are you an asshole <laughs> that's that's pretty much my only criteria is i'm not playing with an asshole <laughs> oh you're not playing with one exactly i don't like assholes that much but, uh, all right well our guest blanco bronco let's go into another <laughs> song this is titled white idiot White Idiot Boy is the name of the tune. Our guest, Blanco Bronco. Get a little 80 vibes in there. You guys, a uh, little 80s punk going on there? Totally. Actually, and a little bit of waver. Not in that song, but... Mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, the first part of that song, the words are taken from The Police. Uh, can't remember what the, the song is, but... Uh, I just can't stand losing you, I think, is it? So there's a little bit of homage to one of my idols back in the day, but... Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a lot of 80s influence in us. And one of the great things about the Tacoma scene right now is uh, 
a lot of the younger hip bands, they're definitely bringing back a lot of that sort of 80s sounds. We play with we play with waivers and rockers alike, basically, in a sense, Yeah, which is really nice about the scene. Great. I've got to ask you guys, uh, in uh, White Idiot Boy especially, are you guys also, uh, it seems to me, which is pretty cool being South uh, Sound guys, that uh, you're uh, bringing in a little bit of that uh, Northwest garage feel, uh, the Sonics, maybe a little uh, kind of surf grunge, too, uh, and uh, if so, uh, um, I think that's great, and are you fans of the Sonics? Absolutely, yeah. Are you yep, kidding? Yep. Oh, I yeah, I just went and saw, the, or it was a few months ago, the... the uh was what was that? Was the, the Sonics just got back together? I saw some show. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I believe I saw it. Yeah. Not the basketball team. No, <laughs> no, they're, they're gone. They're yeah, gone. You, you've got to hark into that garage heritage. Yeah, these are the Sonics we still have. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Yes, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of garaginess. You know, like. I think uh, me personally, like I, I loved and was around a, a lot of the the old sub pop stuff, and and um, of course you you can't deny new wave. So no, you can't. In fact, you know it's nice to see some of that coming back because as uh, when I was growing up and I was in high school in the early '80s, uh, we had some uh, killer stations around here. Anyway, the community college college stations that were. Well, they were the only ones playing the new wave right. and like the punk and on the radio was like Madonna and Bruce Springsteen which is nothing wrong mm -hmm. with that but it was nice here because we got exposed to that whereas a lot of places uh, around the country you know it was, it was word of mouth and it was maybe maybe some late night MTV or whatever right but it's great to see you guys bringing some of that back I, I for one appreciate that now you guys all from Tacoma originally? Where'd you go to school? What'd you guys, uh, where were you growing up? Uh, I'm Seattle originally, but I went to high school at Thomas Jefferson Federal Way. Oh, very Close good. Enough, yep, yeah, TJ? Uh, I grew up in Olympia. I went to a weird little uh, alternative high school called New Century. It was at <laughs> night. And, uh, it was a night? Yeah, it was a night. I, I don't think it exists anymore. Wow, high school night school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's he was one of those troubled kids. <laughs> couldn't, fit, couldn't fit in. Couldn't couldn't get along in the normal system. That wasn't no. court ordered, was it? <laughs> I I'm under court order not, not to speak. To speak. <laughs> Um, I grew up in Yelm, and uh, I got out as soon as I could, uh, right after I graduated. Really? Why? Now, I, I know, it was hard. It was a tough decision, but I, I did. I made it and decided to just leave the nest. Had to stop milking the cows and but move yeah, on. Yeah, it was time, it was time to go, but uh, um, got out, and eventually I was in Seattle pretty quickly, and um, knew I eventually had to get back to Coma because, I mean... Used to go to Tacoma young, younger, like in high school and stuff. Go to see shows in Tacoma, right? Community World Theater, very good, stuff like that. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's that's harkening back to to my days. Those were great times, man. So, all right, uh, well, let's listen to another song by our guest Blanco Bronco. This is titled Expiration Date. Yeah. 
Our guest, Blanco Bronco. And uh, just want to ask you guys real quick, um, how have you found the crowds in Tacoma? They're pretty receptive? Uh, yeah, which is surprising, honestly. Did you, you, you guys get out of the South Sound much? You guys head down to Olympia? You've been up to Seattle? We uh, played in Olympia once to absolutely no one. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, one guy. One drunk guy stumbled in. He loved us. Nodded his head for a couple minutes and then went out and threw up, I think. But, um, it was a really good practice. <laughs> nice. Did, did he have uh, back pains? He might have. He, he was on horse tranquilizers. Was his, did he have Joe on his T-shirt? <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask you guys. You uh, said you've been going four or five years, and you know you're playing gigs and hopefully uh, making some money. And uh, as far as I know, there's no official uh, rock and roll uh, band uh, slash rock star handbook that tells you how to uh, be successful, uh, unless I guess you go down to the crossroads and pick it up or something. But uh, I was wondering, uh, what do you guys think is the recipe for uh, success and how to keep it going and uh, maybe some tips for some other up-and-comer uh, up sound bands? Uh, I, we don't know that recipe. Uh, if, you know, if you know what it is, let us know. I, th I think we know how to stay creative and have a, have a good time. As far as a recipe for success, we've... We don't even know how to book our shows or, or sell an album. But there's so. some success in staying together. A lot of yeah. bands come it, and go. Yeah, that's true. I think it, it really depends on um, what you're trying to do. I mean, I, I've seen bands and um, or research bands, um, checked them out online, or even, even bands, some bands that we've played with over the last few years. Like, I can tell they're, they're really trying to get somewhere or go somewhere and it's that's good it's not like we're not trying to get somewhere it's kind of um it's kind of like seeing a band that's like uh trying like really super hard yeah. and they, they'll start beating themselves up and they break up because they didn't see I, they I, didn't get something on the radio or or get some deal or something i mean we we play a lot of shows with um other friends that are in bands and and you know, it's uh, it's really doing what you enjoy doing. You know, basically creating music. So I, I think for me, I think for me, actually, and I think our band actually represents this quite quite well. Is that uh, we're not about talent. We're really about personality, as far as how we we work together. Because I think all of us are probably not necessarily considered musicians as qualified. They would have kicked me out a yeah, long yeah. time ago. <laughs> honestly, but, but, but we work so well. To, I mean, honestly, we work so well together as far as personality. I mean, we crack ourselves up more than actually try to practice. So I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Right are you there. content as a band? You guys Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm really happy. Yeah, and, it comes and, through. It's it really does. It comes through, and uh, I want to tell everybody out there that uh, a chance to see Blanco Broncos coming up May 20th at the Swiss. That's a Thursday. It's a benefit for the Urban Arts Festival. You guys know what time that starts? Rock o'clock. Rock o'clock. <laughs> and in Tacoma, that means late. Uh, you know, Always I mean, you can get there. I, I mean, I think... Six, Unless I'm completely wrong, seven. it could probably yeah. If it's a, it could be earlier because there's several yeah, there's several bands involved. We don't really play that many but, Thursday um, shows, so yeah. yeah but it's a good time for people to get out. It's a crappy spring right now. It's gray, you know. Every, and the Swiss is always a nice place. Swiss is a fun place. They're good people down there. So hey, uh, well, I just wanted to. 
let Manjo and Barry and Heath know that uh, I uh, can't wait to see him in person and meet him in person, and uh, it's uh, been great talking with them. Yeah, right Blanco on. Broncos, our guest, and uh, get out there and support these guys. Get out and support the local. Absolutely. We're in the South Sound, and so we push the South Sound, but, I mean, there's scenes all over, all over uh our area in Washington and you guys that are out there listening in California and Oregon and across the U.S. and up in Canada, all you people have great local bands and a scene and go out and build a community, get to know the guys. They're very approachable, fun to talk to, and then they get up on stage and entertain you and they work hard for that. And yeah, we all, and, we all and, appreciate that. And come up and see a show and, and then go home. Exactly. Yeah. Safely. I think, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. I, I believe in a, a more regionalistic approach to music, honestly. I think that's the way the future is, actually. Yeah, and we're, we're glad to be, uh, you know, just a small part of that. But anyway, Blanco Bronco, I want to thank uh, Barry, Manjo, and Heath for coming in. You guys rock on. Thanks, and we'll guys. Come thank out you. and see you. Thank, thank you. you very much. We appreciate it. And we want to thank Blanco Bronco for coming in. Those guys are really nice guys. We had a good time with them. And uh, be sure you get out there and see them. And like I say, support your local scene. Nice power trio and a good group of guys with great senses of humor. Yeah. Killer and, names. Yeah, and some throwback tunes. I like that. That's right. They're getting to the roots of the Tacoma sound. All right. Let's do a little bit of This Week in Music History. Now, here's a doctor of rock himself, Big Joe, with This Week in Music History. What more can you say or do you need to say? The King, Elvis, records Lieber and Stoller's song, Jailhouse Rock. It was his ninth number one in a row in a two-year span. Talk about a run. The King will live forever. Ninth number one in a row. In a two-year span. A two I was years it was kind of hot back then. <laughs> Just slightly. That's uh, unbelievable, man. I mean, you know, like Little Bill, you know, he had the one, the one hit that took him on the road and uh, got him some notoriety but nine number one hits in a row in a two-year span that's crazy yeah rest in peace elvis all right well i know it's been a long show it's been a it's been a great show though we really want to thank bill Englehart for coming on little bill in the blue notes sharing all that history with us and it's nice to know that he's content and that he's uh he's at peace and that he's out there doing his thing we're definitely gonna go and check him out blanco bronco those, 16th at the spar yeah blanco bronco those guys are uh, ripping up the scene as well go check them out everybody get out support your local band support your local scene all across the country those of you guys that are tuning in different states you have great bands uh, and a great local scene as well and next week man big show I'm telling you mom's rockets gonna be in the house comedian Ed Rubin and the man Rain Stone he's in five bands he's a great vocalist and that will all be next week right here on the Northwest Convergent Zone where all things come together unchain my heart
Baby, set me free. Well, unchain my heart. Set me free. I said I'm under your spell. has been a production of the Northwest Convergence Zone. Email us at nwconvergencezone at gmail.com.